Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOK. Before we start the episode, we just want to remind you that everyone's sexual and romantic attraction works a bit differently. What you are about to hear are opinions based on personal experience, and any descriptions of romantic or sexual orientations featured in this episode are not representative of any group. Friends and welcome to AOK, the podcast about people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. I'm your Aerowace host, Courtney Lang, and joining us today is Erica Cameron, who is a young adult author. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Erica. I'm born and raised pretty much in Florida, so I've spent my whole life either in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale area or up in Tallahassee, where I live now. And Yeah, I'm 35 now, but I didn't discover the orientation at all until I was about 28, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it took me a while to figure out exactly what my orientation was within the spectrum because I was coming at it so late and with such a confused point of view, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, Mm -hmm. but... um, But yeah, so I finally settled on asexual and I'm still figuring out the romantic part, which is why right now it's just what the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's it's that's where I fall right now. Okay. And Um, I go by uh, she, her pronouns. Great. Uh, What does being what the fuck romantic and asexual mean for you? Well, it's very much tied into how I how I figured it out. So I started dating somebody that I'd known since middle school in high school and we got married outside of, out of college and then divorced very, very quickly because, uh, he was kind of hypersexual and I wasn't, but I did not have the words to explain to him what was going on in my head. Like I didn't know asexuality was a thing. I'd heard about it in biology class with amoebas and that was it. (laughs) And, yeah, and that was it. That was it. You know, you don't apply that to yourself as an orientation. Um, and even though I did live in a very diverse area, in pretty much any way you could apply that word, I mean, it was, I knew growing up plenty of people across the gay, bi, lesbian spectrum. I knew people who were trans, or I knew people who were, they wouldn't have identified really as non binary back then because that was not a term that we really used or knew about. But growing up and now looking back on it, they probably would now. Um, you know, so it's like there was all of this diversity in race and culture and sexuality, and I still didn't ever hear about this word. Right. So it's um so it took me a really long time. Like it was never a question of yeah, not liking sex was not one of the choices. Um, or not wanting sex was not one of the choices. It was, who do you want it with? Right. That was the only choice. Yeah. Um, and so I got married. <laughs> Dang. Um, but yeah, so asexuality is, is having that option. It's being able to say, yeah, no, I, I'm okay with this not being part of my life. And I just need to find somebody who's also okay with that. Um, 
then the romantic spectrum is looking back. My relationship was so strange and twisted and just not good for either one of us. Um, and I think I was in love with him, mm. but maybe not. <laughs> um, it's a lot easier, I think, for me at least, to classify and identify like, no, I'm not sexually attracted to anybody. Like, that's pretty easy. You can look at people, be like, do I want to have sex with you? No, no, I don't. Right. Um, no, nope, still no. Uh, so good. We're done. But, <laughs> but romantic attraction is, is different. And it really does involve actually finding somebody who may have that potential. And I haven't yet. And so I don't know. Right. You know, maybe, maybe that first thing was just a, a fluke and it'll never happen again. And I'm somewhere close to a but, but maybe not. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, leaving that as a, I'm not, it doesn't repulse me. <laughs> right. And so, so maybe one day, um, and you know, will it be someone who identifies as a guy, as a girl, as nine bond, who knows? Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, the, the WTF part just leaves that, door open mentally for me more than anything else yeah and the split attraction model doesn't necessarily work for everybody like I've heard people actually talking out against it for themselves um and like I think it like I personally it took me like the majority of my 20s to figure out that I was aromantic um because it's just romance is just such a hard feeling like it's so difficult to grasp um i think that it is harder to figure out when you don't match on both spectrums yeah um, i feel like it might be easier if you could pretty solidly be like well i'm at the same spot really parallel on both tracks and we're fine mm. um but I, I feel like I might not be. And so that's where that split attraction, I think, does come in handy. Because if I had, to, if asexual automatically meant aromantic, then like, even in my own head, like, would I be writing something off that wasn't necessarily part of me? Um, and it is confusing. And I had to, a friend of mine actually is writing a book with a character and like, was doing his due diligence as far as researching and asking all the questions that they should ask. It's so like part of my, part of my thing was FYI, there is way more than just this one spectrum. You need to know about this spectrum. You need to know about this spectrum, this mm-hmm. spectrum, there's touch, there's, you know, like there's libido, there's touch, there's this, there's that, there's, you know, and, and I felt like, I'm just like, God, this is like explaining physics. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, I feel like we need that level of awareness right now of all of those individual components because this is still so new. Mm. And like, you know, even just asking for consent to touch people is still so new. Yeah. Like, and so it, once that becomes more common, then people will stop having to worry so much about where they fall on the touch aversion spectrum because people will ask, um, you know, and they will stop having to worry about where they fall on some of the, the other spectrums because it will hopefully one day be a little bit more common to ask. Um, but right now it's, it's not. And so we need to figure it out for ourselves and have without the words to do that, it can be very damaging. Yeah. That's a very good way to put it. Um, and 
why so why do you think you found like didn't hear the word until 28 well so i mean you got to remember i graduated college i graduated high school in 2003 oh okay uh, yeah. so <laughs> so the internet was there but not like it is today. Um, Facebook did not exist yet. Uh, Twitter was nothing. I mean, you know, so like there was, I mean, people were still making GeoCities sites. It was, (laughs) so it was a very different world as far as the scope of your particular universe. Um, You know, and my friends had never heard of it. Right. My parents definitely had never heard of it. You know, so I didn't have anybody to introduce me to it and I didn't know enough to ask the questions. Right. Like, you know, it, no one said that that was an option and it just never occurred to me to think that it might be. So, um, you know, and I'm also not sex repulsed. And so I didn't have that, Ugh, no, I don't want to do that ever feeling to make me question things a little bit more. Right. I didn't really want it, but I didn't really care one way or the other. So for me, it was, well, maybe eventually something will change and I should just push through this. Like it was, it was sort of a that, cause I didn't hate it. Um, I just didn't like it as much as everybody else said that they did. Right. So, so like without either somebody introducing me to it or some really strong reaction from myself to, to push me to look for an answer, um, there wasn't one. Right. Oh, that's so relatable. Um, (laughs) What do you think was the most difficult part of the process for you? Uh, My marriage. Um, (laughs) And coming out of it. No, it was a really bad divorce and it took me years to figure it out. And so it was, yeah, coming to terms, like finally finding that word was a relief. Um, Yeah, I bet. But then there was the trying to place myself on all of these spectrums and that, yeah, that wasn't easy because I was still at the time clinging a bit to the, the mindset I grew up with. And so, you know, we call it a spectrum and it's not really a spectrum because being gray ace or demi ace is not being closer to normal. It's just, you know, but at the same time in my head at the time in the mindset that I was coming out of a really horrible divorce, that's kind of what I was telling myself. Right. And so, like, I stayed, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm gray or maybe I'm dummy. And, like, you know, I kind of switched terms several times in the first, I'd say, 18 months, two years of finding that identity. Um, And then finally, when I kind of really came to terms with being on my own and being, and I'm like, you know what? No, I don't. No, I'm, I'm ace. Like, I don't know why I was not wanting to call myself that, but I, I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's scary at first. Like, I think, I mean, this is just me personally, but it was terrifying finding, like finding the word and being like, oh no, that could be me because it seemed like such a bad thing because people, people make it seem like a bad thing. It was, it was not ever like it was a bad thing, but so my mom, I love her dearly, but she was worried I was using it as a defense to keep people from getting close. Oh. And so it became an isolating thing where I was using that as a word so that I wouldn't ever have to get into a relationship ever again. Right. And, um, 
And so I think that was part of what kept me from claiming it entirely because, I mean, for me, it really was a relief to have that word to describe this thing that I could not tell anybody before was like, oh, thank God. Um, you know, it was this huge weight off of my chest because if someone else had created a word, then I wasn't the only one who felt like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that was huge, huge relief. Oh, yeah. So you, so you mentioned you were married. Um, yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I've talked about it some in past things. But yeah, it's, um, it's complicated. <laughs> we, we grew up together, so we'd known each other for a really long time. Um, and like I said, he was, he was hypersexual. Um, and I just, I couldn't keep up. Like I didn't even want to, like, it didn't occur to me that that was important, but for him, um, you know, you've heard of the love languages term, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. have languages, his love language was desire and sex. And so it turned into, I didn't love him enough. I mean, it just was a very emotionally manipulative and horrible relationship and neither of us were getting what we wanted and we were both miserable and it lasted for you know we were together from 10th grade through my mid-20s so I mean we were together almost 20 10 10 years um and by the end I mean it got bad so slowly that it was hard to see from the inside Mm -hmm. um but then finally when something it, it just got to the point where I could not stay anymore and but I was also not in a good place when the divorce went through. And so it's hard to see. And so now because of that past experience, I have that minor fear of any relationship I try to have is going to go that way again. Right. And even though I can now articulate the things that like, okay, these are, these are my limits. Like you're never going to get this from me. If that's what you need, we need to stop now. Right. Um, so like, even though I can articulate that now, I still have that fear because the aftermath of that past relationship was just so bad. Right. <laughs> um, I do not want to live through that again. Right. And so like, yeah, I'm open to relationships. I kind of feel like I might want one at some point, but what will that look like? Um, right now I, I live with a friend of mine who we're basic. She's also ace. Um, and so we're basically just queer platonically married. It's like, oh, we're like the spinster great. sisters. We're like the spinster sisters that everybody, but it's, it's very much a sister relationship rather than a romantic one in any way. And so like, but I have somebody to at least spend time with and go places with and all that sort of stuff. But um, I definitely do still carry a bit of that paranoid fear from my from my marriage it has not gone away yet yeah so do you think the the asexual allosexual match played a big part in that yes but I also feel like it was us in particular um because there is even within asexuals there is a libido spectrum so you can enjoy sex a fair amount you're not really attracted to anybody in particular, but you enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. And in the allosexual community, there's also libido section. Some people, you know, as long as they have sex once a month, they're fine. They don't care. Um, And so if you get two people who are kind of close on that libido mark, 
no matter where they fall orientation wise, it can still work. Um, but I'm asexual and really just do not care about sex. I don't think about it. I don't fantasize about it. It's just not something that lives in my brain in that way. Um, and I was married to somebody who was hypersexual, hyper libido, hyper. I mean, we were so far away right. from each other that middle ground wasn't comfortable for either of us. Yeah, I see. And so this, I know you said you don't even know what a future relationship would even look like for you. Do you ever see yourself getting married again? Or do you want to lean more towards the QPP? Or are you just at this point not even thinking about it? It's one of those things that if it happens, it happens and great. Um, And ideal would definitely be someone who, yeah, someone who's willing not to push me on those lines because it's just, it's not going to go well for either one of us. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, someone who is, even if they're not on the spectrum themselves, to who understands that and actually does understand it and is not just putting up with it, because um, that's definitely a big thing. There's a, definitely a difference between understanding and accepting and being okay with it and putting up with something. Yeah. Because um, eventually you're going to stop wanting to put up with it. Yes. And the person that you're living with now, you mentioned they're asexual. Mm-hmm. How did you find them? Uh, we randomly met at a book conference, uh, in 2015. Yeah, no, I was, I was sitting in the lobby of this hotel that this book conference RT was being held at. And, uh, somebody was like, Hey, can I sit here? And she sat down and I started talking to her and her friend is now my roommate. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a really random meeting. Um, we were both several states away from where we actually lived because uh, she lived in Utah at the time and I lived in Florida and yeah so somehow <laughs> I convinced her to move to Florida oh my god that's great <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's worked out really well she's been in Florida for a few years now and it's it's nice having somebody to to spend time with and talk to and you know, help out with things. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. Um, So you were at a book conference. Was it like a book conference you went to because you're an author? Yeah. Okay. So RT does not exist anymore. It closed down last year, year before. I can't remember now. But it was, so Romantic Times is um, is the actual name of the magazine that hosted RT conference. And they had every year a pretty big young adult representation, you know, just like a track um, as part of the conference. And it was a lot of fun. It was a very, very big conference. We got to do panels and events with readers and um, signings and stuff like that. And so it was also just nice to be able to see because writing can be kind of an isolating community where it's like you're all in your separate houses doing things. You don't you know, the only time you really get to hang out with other writers is conventions. Yeah, that's so true. Yes, writing is very, can be very isolating. Um, What got you into writing? I was always a reader. Like I, you can't see it right now, but I'm literally surrounded by bookshelves. (laughs) Um, And I even tried writing when I was a kid, but really what got me into writing this time, like 
and stuck was um, weirdly enough Twilight. Oh, I my sister introduced me to the book when I was I don't know how old that would have been I was twenty I think, um, and then I discovered Twilight fan fiction and I was like wow this is some of this is really bad I can I can do better than this <laughs> and so I did and. But people liked it enough where I was just like, maybe I could actually make up my own stories and maybe I could do this myself. And so I started writing my own original work. And eventually, after several years and several books, um, one of them actually got published. Wow. It was, yeah, a really, again, really random. Like I did study writing in college, but at the college level at a big university, you study short stories. You don't right. study novels. Yeah. Um, and so really, it was fan fiction that taught me I was actually capable of finishing a novel length piece of work. Right. Wow. That's so cool. Um, do your books have any Ace or Arrow characters in them? Absolutely. Oh, hell uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So my second novel, there's two narrators. Um, one of them is lesbian and the other one is Ace. Um, he kind of discovers that he, they're both pretty young. So he kind of discovers that during the course of, there's actually an entire chapter where somebody sits him down and is like, okay, look, um, and tells him all about what the orientation is. And like, I know you probably haven't heard this before, but blah, blah, blah. So there's actually a whole chapter devoted to that. Um, and then, yeah, in every other series, there is at least one, but more likely several characters who falls up somewhere on the spectrum. That's so cool. So I'm assuming representation is pretty important to you in literature. Well, considering how long I went without seeing the word or understanding what that meant, like I really don't like the idea of somebody else suffering through horrible relationships, trying to make themselves something they're not just because that they don't know it's an option to be, no, I'm fine. Um, and so if there's representation in teen books, then teens are being shown that that's at least a choice right wow yes representation like I don't know I don't know anyone who doesn't think it's important but yet there is none not none but not enough so it's not nearly enough yeah and it's only happened really in the last five to ten years maybe that it's started to show up um and and it's still a very small percentage of what's what's available and how many of those are actually written by people who are themselves ace. I mean, that's an even smaller percentage, I think. Right. If you could rewrite any character existing, um, to be ace or arrow, who would it be and why? That is tough because there are so few books where the main character isn't like deeply in a romantic relationship or I feel like it would, Hmm. Let me think. Um, for some reason I'm kind of leaning towards Fessick in the princess bride. Um, oh, and I don't know who, why. <laughs> okay. Remind me who that is. Uh, was played by Andre the giant. Oh, in the movie okay. Version. Oh, I love that. I wait. It's one of my favorite favorite books like I have like a whole thing on my wall where I, I bought a reproduced map that looks like an actual sea map of the Princess Bride <gasps> landscape area and I've got like three copies of the book like a bunch of the special editions and the behind the scenes book and the, yeah so I'm a bit of a Princess Bride geek um, <laughs> but I 
yeah, I, I don't know. Like that, that was one of the things that came to mind. I think that it's not necessarily rewriting as much as labeling. Cause I feel like he may already be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's one thing too, is that there's probably a lot of characters that exist in stories that already are, even if, or they could be very easily without changing hardly anything except the label. That's very uh, true. And I feel like he's one of those characters. Yeah, I think for some reason that that answer is hitting me so hard. And I think it might be because <laughs> he's like such a devoted friend in the whole thing. Like, it's never yeah, about him. He's always there supporting his friends. Yeah. Oh, he's he's such a, yes, a big, snuggly lug of love it's just yeah very very sweet but and I'm trying to it's been I need to reread the book again um but it's like I think that because there's descriptions I think of him with women but it's like even that does not disqualify and it's just like I just feel like it would fit (laughs) and you also write essays and Q&A's about asexuality right yes what made you do that in addition to the books I think that it was really the first one, I think, was really more therapeutic. Uh, I think the first one kind of came about because somebody asked me to participate in the Dear Teen Me project, which I don't think is really going on anymore, but was a project where authors wrote letters to their teenage selves. Um, and so the first one was, yeah, a bit of therapy. And then I realized that, hey, this might actually help. And so I kind of wrote a few other pieces. Um, I was involved with a couple of different blogs for a while that now don't exist anymore. Um, And so like, I eventually just kind of pulled all of those different pieces that had been scattered across the internet and reposted them on my site so that I would still have access to those, those articles and essays. And I also want because not every ace character has to be an own voices character, but I want to make sure that the people who are going to be writing that have a resource to turn to if they have questions. Um, and so that's part of it is being, being available for people who want to do it right. And being able to answer their questions about like, well, this is the situation. Would this be a realistic reaction? Or like, does this mean this or just checking in on, on different aspects of the process and character development and all of that. Right. Oh yes. I, that's such a wonderful resource. (laughs) Um, Do you have anything else you're currently working on like essays or books? Uh, Well, I'm writing the second book to my sci-fi series right now. Um, The first one came out in November. It's called Pax Novus. And the, the, one of the narrators is Ace. The other one is Envy and Awesome. They are both adorable. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so I'm writing the second book in that series right now, um, or I will be as soon as my brain gets off of pandemic track and back yeah. on to actually willing, willing to create anything. It's been a March was. I don't know. March, March was, it, it was March. Um, <laughs> and it, was, it was long and I did not get much done during that month. So like anything you're excited about? Uh, not at the moment. I am, I'm always open. The Q and A is always open and I, I love answering those questions. So if anybody has any questions, definitely head over to the website and there is a resources page with um, Q and A's as part of that. 
and the yeah just being a just right now I'm just kind of focused on getting through this rather strange batch of times that we've fallen into mm-hmm. um there were a few projects that I had been thinking about starting um but not not right now <laughs> yeah so that website where can people find that so if you go to buy ericacameron.com buy like by um and go to the resources page, there is a page for asexuality awareness and coming up aces is my Q and a, and it's listed on the main menu underneath that drop down. Awesome. And I'll link it in the description as well. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. So people have easy access. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that I missed? It's okay if there's not, but I, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, I have one more question for you. Yes. Uh, Who is someone important to you? Right now, my roommate. So there's actually two girls that I live with. um, And in the situation that we have found ourselves in right now, like they're sanity savers and lifesavers. And it's been just, I'm really, really happy that I live with them and not by myself. Um, because yeah, getting quarantined alone would be not, not great for me. And so, yeah, they've just been really, really supportive. Um, and I'm just lucky to have them. Yes. Roommates are so important. Like I know not everyone gets along with their roommates, but I can't imagine living alone. Yeah. It's, it's a strange thing. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I mean, one of them I've known since we were both undergraduates and, um, and then the other one is the friend I kidnapped to Florida from Utah. <laughs> and so, and so we all, we're, we, we're all similar enough that we get along really well. And so, and we've also, we were friends first. And so we, we knew what we were getting into moving in together. Right. Um, and it's worked out really well. That's great. Wow. Um, well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yes, of course. And thank you to our newest patrons, Alan, Gemma, Racecar, Lisa B, Rachel B, Elena, Rhea F, Daniel W, Doug R, Scott A, and Drew. Your support means so much to us. Um, If you would like to join our team of patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash AOKpod. Becoming a patron also means gaining access to bonus audio content, being part of the creative process, and other things. If you can't support us financially right now, that's okay. Um, You can support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or tweet about the show using the AOK Podcast hashtag. Just getting the word out there about the show really helps us. And as always, thank you to Uberkick for the use of their song AOK, to Tanner Grayler for creating our cover art, to Sophie Lalonde for editing and producing this episode, and to our amazing patrons at patreon.com slash AOKpod. I'll be back next week with another guest, but until then, I'm Courtney Lang. And I'm Eric Cameron. And, and we, we are, are A-OK. A-OK.